We're in the book of Psalms for a short summer series, and, and we're going to look at Psalm number 19 today. Psalm number 19 for our text today uh, as we look at one of those good old Psalms. As I think back, it was about 25 years ago as I was standing in the, in the front doors of the church up there that I saw a for sale sign on this property. And I immediately contacted the young man who owned the property and told him, we are going to buy that property. It doesn't need that sign anymore. And uh, by the time we had, at that time, we had three buildings over behind the church that we used uh, on old-fashioned day at that time. Our little woodworking shop was over there, and the little red barn was over there, and the candy store was over there. Those three little buildings were over behind the church, and on old-fashioned day, they wandered through the backyard to those buildings. Uh, I had the idea that we would move those buildings over here and then proceed to make a miniature town. But first things first. I remember I visited Sturbridge Village in Massachusetts. Maybe some of you have been there. And I noticed that the beauty of that little museum town was not in the buildings so much as it was in the trees. The place is filled with giant trees. So we laid out in our minds the streets of West Jackson Corner. Then I let it be known I wanted to plant trees right away. Well, Bob Pask spoke right up and he said he had lots of little maple trees growing in his woods. And he owned a piece of property behind what used to be Moose's store. Some of you remember Moose's store. And it was low wet ground. So we went up there and we dug up trees, lots of trees. And we brought them back here and planted them all in one day. And they were about five or six feet high and about as big as your thumb. Just little whips stuck in the ground. It must have been rainy weather, either that or it's this old clay ground. We never watered them, but they all lived. Every one of them lived. And then for about four or five years afterwards, Bob Pask had some old fertilizer he didn't know what to do with. And every spring he brought down that old bunch of that old fertilizer and put it around each tree. And he said he wanted to give it a good start. Well, they got a good start, didn't they? And every year I threatened the tent people who come on old-fashioned day, and I'd say to them, uh, someday we won't need your tents, the trees will give us enough cover. Of course, Bob Bracey threatened to cut down a couple trees, all right? But uh, I guess if you ask me who made the trees grow, uh, I would quote 1 Corinthians, where Paul, talking about planting seeds in human hearts, said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. And I'd have to put it this way. I planted and Bob passed fertilized, but it was God who made the trees grow. And I always say in the garden contest, you can plant giant seeds that tell you you're going to get a thousand pound pumpkin, but only God can make those things grow. I know because I tried. I planted seeds so big you couldn't get them in the ground, but it, uh, they never grew to anything. But when God plants them, they seem to do good. He helps them. Those sunflowers over there, nobody planted them. They just grew. We, so we always say, well, God planted those. You see how big they are. 
And if you wandered down the end of Smithville down here, there's a pumpkin plant down there that may win the contest. Uh, it's got a big, huge, two big, huge pumpkins there. And that's God planted those two. So we give God credit for making things grow. Today we're going to look at another psalm. It's a very famous one. David, as a young boy, spent many lonely hours tending sheep all by himself out in the wilderness, sleeping under the stars. And with his little harp, he was writing songs about the outdoors. We all love songs about God's creation, don't we? One of our favorites is How Great Thou Art about creation, about God's creation. Oh Lord, my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul. So it was with David. God's creation set his heart to singing. And he wrote songs about the mountains. He wrote songs about the valleys. He wrote songs about the streams of water. He wrote songs about sparrows and deer and lions and dogs. But in this psalm we look at today, he turned his face higher up and he wrote what he, about what he saw up in the sky, both in the daytime and in the nighttime. Let's begin to see what David said when he looked up into the sky. There are three distinct verses, stanzas in this song. Uh, He wrote three different stanzas. We sing stanzas in our songs. He's got three topics that he covers. And the first stanza, we begin with verse number one. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Now, I do know many Bible verses by heart. My mother and father saw to that. But of all the verses I know, the one I quote the most often to myself in my heart is Psalm 19 right here, verse 1 and 2. See, every morning I go to work before most of you get out of bed. (laughs) Somewhere between 4 and 4.30 a.m. I leave my home to go to work. But before I get in my vehicle, as I step out the door, I look up every morning up at the sky. Now, in western New York, a lot of times we had a lot of cloudy days. But if I look up and I see the stars up above my head in the early morning, I quote to myself, the heavens declare the glory of God, and day unto day utter speech. There is no place where their voice is not heard. If I see those stars, I quote those verses, and sometimes even when I can't see them, I quote them anyway. Because I love those verses. Now David says, the heavens declare that they utter speech. And that their line, which actually means their sound, goes out. Now those words are familiar to me. I declare things. I utter speech. You hear the sound of my voice. That's called preaching. 
And David says the stars up in the sky are preaching a sermon. They make a declaration. It's a sound in your mind's ear, and it's a sermon. Now, my friends, I've heard a lot of sermons, and some of them I didn't like when I heard them. And some of them I never wanted to hear again. But that sermon that those stars preach, I love to hear that sermon. Over and over again, I love to hear it. Now, what sermon do the stars preach? Well, you just look up and you ought to be able to see. You watch that Big Dipper whenever you can. You know, as the months go by, it slowly rotates around. Watch it. And in perfect order, it rotates and turns over and comes back. It's like it's scooping the water up. And then it turns upside down and dumps the water out of the big dipper and empties it out. It declares that God is a God of perfect order. None of those stars is ever out of place. They are perfectly set and perfectly in order. The Vikings used to navigate across the North Atlantic without a compass. All they needed was the North Star. One star up in the sky, constantly marking the northern skies, preaching that God is faithful and he never fails. What are the stars anyway? But a million burning suns spread out across the vast reaches of space. And they preach that God is powerful. So the sermon the stars preach is that a powerful, faithful, orderly God exists. That God has made something so vast and so perfectly in order that we could just look at it and know that God is real. But David goes on and tells us what he sees now in the daylight. In verse 4, in them he has set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices of the strong men to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heavens and his circuit to the ends of it. There is nothing hidden from the heat thereof. Every morning the sun looks like it rises up from the end of the heavens. In the eastern sky, and like a strong runner, it runs its race all the way to the opposite horizon every single day, never tiring, never off course, never slowing down like a good strong runner. We count our minutes and our days by its constant course, but it brings with it something wonderful, joy. It's another day. Like a bridegroom whose arrival on the scene means a moment of happiness can start. It's time for the wedding, time to start the party. So the son's arrival means let the blessings begin. And it brings not only light but warmth. And as David said, it warms wherever it touches. It warms the ground, it warms the air, and it awakens the green world of the plants. Plants grow towards the sun, grow towards the light and reach out for the sun. These trees have grown up and spread out all over so that they could absorb more light. They transform the sun's light into energy and they grow. And the reason they're so large and spreading is because they responded to the sun. 
So the stars preach a sermon. God is powerful, faithful, and orderly. And then the sun preaches a sermon that God pours down blessings and heat and light. And the earth responds to the sermon and the trees grow tall and wide. And David says that sermon is preached in every language all over the earth. In China, the stars preach in Chinese. In South America, the stars speak Spanish. In Africa, they speak Zulu. In America, they speak English. And I love that sermon. That a real God who's powerful and faithful and true is pouring out blessing on us day after day. Now, my response to that sermon, when I think about God and what that sermon says, my response is, tell me more. I want to know more about this God. During the French Revolution, which wasn't a good thing, one of the leaders of that revolution is recorded as talking to a peasant standing by. And that leader of that French Revolution said, we are going to tear down your churches and we are going to tear down your steeples. And we're going to take away from you all your superstitions and all your religious ideas. And that noble peasant stood up to that man. He said, you can't take down the stars. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Don't kid yourself, my friends. The people who are rioting and burning on our cities want to do away with the churches. Don't kid yourself. But there's a sermon that they can't stop. The stars declare that God is real. and The sun preaches that God is faithful and kind. No government official will ever censure that sermon. When I hear that sermon preached, and every morning I look up, I want to hear that sermon. When I hear that sermon preached, I want to know more about God. So the second verse of the song opens the door to another sermon that is preached. Starting at verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. And the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the honeycomb. The sun and the stars preached a sermon that left me wanting more. And David says, here's where you get more. God's law, God's testimony, God's statutes, God's commandments, all different names for the same thing. God's word, the Bible. Sometimes God's word is like a law. It establishes a way that life must be. Sometimes God's word is like a testimony, as in court, I swear to tell the truth. Sometimes God's word is like a statute, something to control our actions. And sometimes God's word is like a commandment, something to be obeyed. But God's word has an amazing ability to affect the reader. The law of the Lord, it says, is perfect. Because it converts the soul. Inside of us, our heart and our soul and our inner being, the Bible can change us inside. Now, personally, my opinion is I think that the hardest substance known to man is not a rock or a diamond. 
the hottest, hardest substance is the human heart. I've seen hard hearts, unmoved hearts, stubborn and calloused hearts like flint. But the Bible can melt the heart of stone. How wonderful for you and me. God's testimony, it says, will make you wise in a world where wisdom is rare and almost gone completely. The Bible offers wisdom to its readers. The statutes of the Lord, he says, make the heart glad. The Bible can make you happy. Who is there that doesn't want that? God's commandments, he says, enlighten the eyes. You will see life clearly. Decisions will be plain. You will grasp the meaning of life and its purposes. And so you will learn to fear and respect God and see that we need to be clean inside our hearts so that we can be nearer to God. The Bible will help you understand the reason you are alive. It will give you a purpose to live and a reason to live. You will understand God and you will see what he did for us. Not just blessings, more than that. He gave his only son to us. Because he loved us and wanted to help us, he sent his son to save us, to redeem our lives, to pay for our sins, and to rescue us from hell. You can't find all that out by looking at the stars. But you can read it in God's word. You can become intimate friends with God. And David says, this new knowledge that you get from the Bible is more valuable than all the gold you ever lay your hands on. Amen to that. And then he says it is sweeter than honey in the honeycomb, and I just love it. And I agree with David. I love it too. So the stars in the heaven preach to us. God is real, and the Bible preaches to us. Here's what God's love did for you. But there's more. There's even more. David says, when I read the Bible, something happens to me. I find in it a mirror. And I'm looking back at myself. And suddenly I am able to see my own heart. The Bible has a way of revealing my own heart to me. And I begin to understand what makes me tick. I'm suddenly aware of things inside me that I didn't know were there. And so we go to the third stanza of David's song, verse 11. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. I am warned by the Bible about life, about myself. And if I heed the warning, he says, I'll be rewarded for listening. So what did I see, he says, When I looked in the Bible, and it was a mirror to me. Verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. He backed thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me, that I shall be upright. I shall be innocent from the great transgression. What did he see when he looked in the mirror? Secret sin. Things I didn't understand about myself. Well, like what, you ask? What kind of secret sin? Well, maybe the Bible helped you to see 
that you were selfish or self-centered. It never occurred to you before because you've always been that way. <laughs> the Bible can do that. Maybe the Bible could show you that you were full of pride and all along you thought you were just fine. But the Bible revealed your motives. Yes, my friends, it is a penetrating book when you read it honestly. And it also will show you what David calls presumptuous sins. Now, what is a presumptuous sin? To presume, if you look it up in the dictionary, is to dare to do something. Or in other words, I know what I'm going to do is wrong, but I like it, so I'm going to do it anyway. And God said, thou shalt not, and you said, oh, yes, I will. That is presumptuous sin. I'm going to do it, and I dare anybody to stop me. That attitude can lead, he says, to a greater sin, the great one. What is the great sin? That is to say, I don't need God. I am not going to give in to God. I reject God. My, that sin, my friend, will kill you. So presumptuous sins. I'm going to do it my way. Lead to a rebellion inside of us. A rebellion against God, my friends, can kill you. My friends, if God made those stars and spread them out through the heavens, and God wrote a book and gave us his word. And the heaven preached a sermon to us. And the Bible preaches a sermon to us. How will you respond to those sermons? Just say yes. Say yes, I believe in God. When the stars tell you God is real. Say yes, I know he died for me when the Bible tells you that he did. Say, yes, I ask him to forgive me when it instructs you how to do that. Say, yes, I want to do his will. Respond to those sermons. And say what David finishes up with here in verse 14. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Jesus said this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you think about inside is eventually going to come out of your mouth. My friends, turn your heart and mind over to God. He promises he'll renew your mind. And that will clean up your mouth. And open up both your heart and your mouth to God. Let your words be acceptable to God. Say that verse every day. Say that verse often. Say it and quote it for yourselves every day. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. My strength, my redeemer. In so doing... You're going to grow like a tree in the sunshine. You're going to reach up to God. Respond to God like the trees respond to the sun. Respond to God and he has promised to help you and to be with you.
For the sermon preached in the stars tells us that God is real. Sermon in the Bible teaches how much he loves us. And then that mirror in the Bible says, what are you going to do with it? What will you do? How will you respond to those sermons? Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for hearing us today, coming and speaking to us with your word. We ask that we will respond to the things you tell us every day. You've surrounded us with green trees and blue sky and stars at night and sun in the daytime. They all scream out to us that God is real. And only pure logic and reasonable thought will turn to God and say, here we are. We know that you're real. So take us, make us what we ought to be. Bless our lives, Lord, and we give ourselves to you. Help these folks, Lord, who have been here today to be blessed because of it. We trust in you and ask for your blessings on them. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to finish with one little song in closing. It's a child's song. There's a symbol I didn't know was there. And uh, we're going to sing Jesus Loves Me. As we sing, the choir comes up. You thought it was going to rain, didn't you? <laughs> You heard that thunder. He said, it's going to rain on us for sure. God hasn't failed us yet in parking lot church. the bulletin at the bottom. Jesus loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong they are weak but he is strong yes Jesus loves me yes Jesus loves me a word of prayer. Dear kind Heavenly Father, we know the Bible tells us that you love us and we are eternally grateful for those things. Help us to listen to the voices that are around us as they talk to us about God and cling to those things. Make sure that they belong to our own hearts. They're personally ours. Bless these people for being here today. We thank you that we can share this time together. When we hear the thunder in the distance, we know that God is real. We believe in his blessing us, watching over us, and letting us be here for this service. We bow before you as our great king. Thank you for what you've done for us in Parking Lot Church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.